1: You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Annick and Kenny Florian podcast. John Annick and Kenny Florian. I f- love them.
3: I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next.
1: Big job there for Duffy and- Are a couple of absolutely self-involved Here are your hosts, John Annick and Kenny Florian.
0: Few things in life like a pay-per-view recap week, am I wrong? All the pleasure on this side of the microphone. Monday, June 12th, 2023. It is episode 415. Of the Anakin Florian Podcast presented by DraftKings on the DraftKings Network, DraftKings YouTube channel, and wherever in the world you ingest your podcast. Thank you so much for being with us. Man, do we have a lot to get to today. My man, Ken Flo, back from the ATL. I'm back from Vancouver after an unnecessarily long travel Sunday. It is Monday morning, right? I'm invading my twin brother's house at like 8.30 this morning to prep the podcast. They all got to be thinking, like, can we get this
1: lunatic out of our square footage, please. <laughs> uh, how are you doing on sleep, dude? That's a long That's a long flight. Not great. Become... Just
0: riding this Amanda Nunes high, though. You know, <laughs> just riding this lioness high. So PFL was also in action. Of course, we'll get into Jesus Pinedo's huge upset of Brendan Lochnane. So Impa Kasanganai came and uh, trained at the house after a win. Is that what happened?
1: Uh, well, no, he, he came by. He came by. We, you know, we talked about fights and stuff. But, uh, you know, There was the ufc pay-per-view so he was in town we were talking i said hey if you want to come by watch the fights he's like yeah actually i do want to watch the fight so he he came by and uh we watched some fights it was great uh impo loves you by the way he's he's a big fan and um he's such a good dude man it was it was great to see him also advance to the playoffs you know he was in the challenger series he's had three fights in under four months dude yeah like it's crazy and uh and all wins so
0: and we're going to get into uh, everything that was UFC 289. But when you are, as Impa and I was, on the wrong end of what I believe is the most spectacular knockout in UFC history by Joaquin Buckley, there's a rebuild that happens. And for better or for worse, it's not happening in the UFC. And perhaps rebuild is the wrong verb because he's a really good fighter. And mm-hmm. now I think capable of really gaining financially in this PFL format. He has huge hands. We did talk on the UFC Telecaster during the Danny Gay fight, Kenny, about fighter hand size. And I'm bringing it up now because we're talking about Impa. And it's always something that I look for in these fighter meetings. You don't have small hands. You actually have pretty big hands. Danny Gay has absolutely massive hands. Charles Oliveira, huge hands. Platinum Mike Perry, massive hands. And I know power can be the byproduct of a lot of different things. It can come naturally, you can train for it, it can be technique, it can be speed, it can be angles, all sorts of things. But doesn't hurt to have mitts like Impa Kasangani, and he'll break your hand when he shakes it.
1: Yeah dude absolutely he he's he's a monster he's extremely strong but yeah man you know it's it's like having a kettlebell at the end of that arm that swing right it's at the very end of the lever so when you're talking about something that's loose it's hitting like a ball and chain and if that ball is a little bit heavier than someone else's yeah. uh someone else's hand right it's uh it's going to have an impact i i do believe there's something to that uh as far as knockout power man no question All right. Well, it was
0: a busy week. I started the week in our native Boston, Massachusetts, filming a new commercial for DraftKings and had a great time with my DraftKings family. And I just have to say, living in South Florida, which... Is sort of culturally vacant in a lot of respects. To go back to Boston at my now advanced age, a couple weeks shy of my 45th birthday, it crystallized a lot of things for me that maybe wouldn't have been crystallized had I gone back there regularly in my early 30s. Now, with this DraftKings relationship, I find myself back in the bean more often than not once a year. And I know you're in Charlotte. It's a great city. I might move there, but it just feels like I should be raising my kids in New England and Massachusetts. It's like, what am I doing raising Floridians? It just doesn't feel like it makes the right sense.
1: (laughs) It's awesome, especially right now. I mean, the weather in Boston, you go back, you're like, man, this is what it's all about. Boston in the spring, the summer, and even the fall – is just so great. Everyone's out and about. Everyone's kind of walking by the Charles River and all that stuff. It's just such a cool vibe. The snow though, John, that's the thing that kind of keeps me away. It's the shoveling of the snow, the driving of the snow. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, there's nothing better than Boston. I
0: no, it. I have said repeatedly I should take my kids to Boston. Not in the summer, have them stay at the Boston Harbor <laughs> Hotel, go in the winter, in the dead of winter, and see how they like it right. then. No, I mean, that is the reality, right? I mean, the number one reason I'm in South Florida is my mother, and a close second is the weather. I don't know, man. I hope the uh, the local Florians that I see around aren't going to be too upset with me, but uh, <laughs> it just was great to be in two culturally rich and diverse cities like Boston and Vancouver back-to-back. Back. It just kind of opened my mind up a little bit. Uh, it wasn't the mushrooms. It was just the uh, culturally Diverse that opened up my mind. All right. So a lot to get into today. Of course, we are going to begin with UFC 289. We could certainly lead the dance with Charles Oliveira. And I don't even know how to not cuss every other word when I talk about Charles Oliveira, one of the greatest fighters of all time, one of the greatest lightweights of all time, probably my favorite fighter, if I can even say that on an open microphone. But let us lead with the retiring, unquestioned women's greatest of all time, Amanda Nunez gets past Irene Aldana by unanimous decision, 50 to 44 times, two dissenting judge had at 50 to 43. And Amanda Nunes brought her best, Kenny, despite some of the misinformation that was out there. You know, I told this audience, I spent two and a half hours at the Lioness Studio the week before the fight. And she was, I think, misleading me in a lot of respects when it comes to her retirement. She approached this fight as if it would be her last. And she had all the motivation that you would expect. and just a vintage, I thought, Amanda Nunes performance in dominating a pretty lackluster at times of Renee
1: Aldana. No question. I I think there's two motivating factors, right? There's the fact that Aldana was a legitimate threat to her. She's got a cracking right hand when she's throwing it. She has a good, educated jab when she's throwing it. She's dangerous on the ground as well. She's going to fight for every single position. She's not going to go away easily, and she's certainly not going to give up. And the fact that you you have that backdrop that this was going to be her last fight in her head, she was going to retire after this fight. I mean, there was a lot there. And because of that, we saw, in my opinion, one of the sharpest performances from Amanda Nunes because of it. She was on point from the get-go her timing was phenomenal. She was loose the whole time. She kept a pace that was manageable for 25 minutes and it was a uh, furious pace at that. She was she was landing hard shots. She was mixing in takedowns. She was landing good ground and pound. She was getting good position. I could go on and on and on, but when you're talking about a retirement fight and how you want to look and how you want to present yourself and and how you want, you know, that lasting image. Uh, for people to kind of look at it and for yourself as well. I thought it was about as perfect as it gets. Um, Just phenomenal stuff from Amanda Nunes, who has been not only, you know, one of the most impressive fighters in UFC history, but also one of the sweetest people outside of the cage. So I I was super happy for her. That's how you do it, folks. That's how you say goodbye to the sport. And uh, I mean, just finished with a bang. So that was super cool.
0: I've gained a lot of insight into Amanda over the years in these fighter meetings, but never more so than having that extended time with her, obviously, at her new gym the week before the fight. And... What I kept coming back to was just her initial motivation to be a world champion when she moved from Bahia, Brazil to the U.S. back in 2011. And she was sort of in a soft way comparing it to motherhood and how motivating that is and how much she loves being a mother. But she couldn't even think about motherhood until she had checked the box, beat Misha Tate, become a UFC world champion. Just a total obsession for her. And it's interesting to hearken back to some of her early career losses against somebody like Alexis Davis. And people ever wondered if she would actually be able to have a great cardiovascular base and a style that could extend over 25 minutes. She's incredible. And I think for you, what you would probably appreciate most other than the vast skill set is just, she's a master strategist. And I don't know if it was Dean Thomas who said it, but even using her wrestling as a mechanism by which to like get a rest in a fight like this, right? Didn't even get credited with getting Aldana down. The first two times, like they didn't even give her a take down. She didn't want it. Just I'm going to dump you down and take a fucking breather, and then right. get back to outstriking you.
1: She's incredible. Yeah, and, and it was also about imposing her will and just showing how dominant she was. It, it looked like a master and student type relationship out there. Now, Aldana. I, I don't. I don't think she had her best performance. Now, a lot of that had to do with what Amanda was doing, though. You know, you, people forget that. It's like, you know, do you just walk forward and try to throw punches against Amanda Nunez, who is this very dominating force, who's probably going to hit harder than any woman in history in that division? Uh, it's risky stuff, and I think she was very afraid of exchanging with someone like Nunez because of that power. I also think the speed factor uh, yeah. was there, and and also. You know, you have a legend in front of you, you know, th- that could that could uh, freeze up any competitor out there. So I wonder what those factors exactly were for Irina Aldana. But she just wasn't as busy as she needed to be. And she happened to face an Amanda Nunes that was extremely motivated and very, very short. Sure.
0: I would stop short of calling it Rene Aldana's worst performance, but I certainly expected more. And I guess I would throw it back to you in terms of the risk mitigation down the stretch. And Francisco Grasso still might be my coach of the year when all is said and done at the end of 2023. Uh, but in around five. You're trying to become a world champion. And I know Renee Aldana feels like she'll get back there. And candidly, with Amanda Nunes retiring, she's got a pretty good chance if she can make the weight. Although, if they do get rid of this 145-pound division, I actually felt like Aldana had a great chance to move up and contend to be a UFC featherweight champion. But it seems as though Dana White said at the post-fight press conference that maybe that division uh, is going away. But in a fifth and final round, Kenny, when you're fighting for a world title, um, should you be more caution to the wind in theory and be willing to to get knocked out? Or is that just way too simplistic and really me sounding like a non-fighter?
1: Well, you know, I I think that you definitely need to be more aggressive. Um, I I didn't see that same sense of urgency. I don't recall exactly what was said from rounds four to five in between rounds. I I don't recall it. And and I certainly didn't see the whole whole, uh, communication between coach and uh, Aldana there. But I did hear it after round three, and while there was this um, urging of the coach to kind of move forward and be more aggressive, it, there wasn't this message of, hey, you've lost three rounds. Like, you're not going to win a decision. Go out there and finish her ass. You yeah, have right. 10 minutes to finish her right now. I didn't hear that. so. That's one thing. I, I don't Again, I don't know what was said between four and five, and it's not necessarily all, the responsibility of the coaches alone. Aldana's been in there many times. She needs to know she was losing that fight. So I definitely think that she should have been way more aggressive and winging harder shots, moving yeah. forward, looking for knees to counter those takedowns, something big. And I – I just wasn't seeing those attempts at whether it was, you know, some kind of submission attempt or some kind of, you know, flying knee or something that showed that she was trying to finish her. It right. was it was almost it almost looked like she was trying to win the round and it's like the, the fight's over. You've lost the first 3 like do something more and uh, I just didn't see that at all out of all Donna unfortunately
0: I mean she was shelled up all night and the biggest shot she landed was in round 1 and you felt like maybe yeah. that would give her some confidence going forward to take a few more risks mm-hmm. ultimately you got to credit Amanda Nunes and when you look at the numbers even though we don't always lean too far into them this was just total domination and I I agree with you I think one of the better performances of this otherworldly career for Amanda Nunes. So 12 consecutive title fights to close it out for the now two-time UFC Bantamweight champion. She turned pro at 19. She is now 35 years of age, actually just celebrated a birthday recently. And it remains to be seen as to whether or not she is really done. I believe she is really done. The question beckons, if in 18 months there is some dominant 135-pound champion, could Amanda Nunes get the itch to come back? Perhaps. I just don't see it. I think she's going to be successful in whatever she does. We'll see what happens with the Lioness studio. It's an amazing space, and she could do a lot with it. She could turn it into a studio if she she so chooses. Um, But what do you think in terms of Amanda Nunes? Do you think this felt final to you? And uh, what do you think about this in terms of a punctuating note on which to go out?
1: It did feel final. I, I think that she has had an amazing career. She realizes that. I think um, the fact that she's going to be a mother for the second time is a motivating factor for her. And also, you know, you know, with, with Nina at the helm, managing the money and all that stuff, it seems like, you know, they're going to be fine. <laughs> I, I think they've done very well for themselves. Yeah. Uh, so it's not – many times – it's this, it's this motivating factor of money, right? It's like oh, I've run out of money. I, I need I need another fight, or I want to get this other house and whatever. I, yeah. I don't think that's I don't think that's the the problem for them. I don't think it will be moving forward. Um, that's it, about as perfect as it gets, you know. Even getting the revenge over Pena and all that stuff. I, I don't know. For me, looking from the outside in, I, I think uh, I think she's probably done, and and and, uh, and it's a well deserved retirement for sure.
0: Yeah. I don't think you're ever going to see Amanda Nunes compete in mixed martial arts again. I don't know if Nina said anything about her own career. People have no idea just how good Nina is. She absolutely could make a run at 125 pounds. You're not going to see Nina at strawweight, but I wouldn't be surprised to see her make a run. And, uh, I do think Amanda has a ton to offer the sport. And there, are, of course, are a lot of revenue streams for her and MMA moving forward. So we congratulate the greatest of all time. We do have a couple tweets coming in here at Anna Florian pod. This one from uh, Michael Stradford at Gizmo Studios. What does Amanda's retire- retirement mean to you personally? So it makes me feel very old, right? That Amanda Nunez is now done, right? It makes me recognize how long that I've sort of been at this. It means a whole lot to me because she is a friend. We're local to South Florida. Way back in the day, my daughters got to. Voice something on Amanda's behalf alongside Marquita Cormier, DC's daughter, as you may recall, and that sort of linked our families a little bit. Amanda has signed some stuff for them, and uh, you know, for me to have that embrace with Amanda after she won that fight, almost like trumps that whole Leon Edwards business for me is like the most special thing that that's happened to me in my career, man. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, and I shared this with the the audience here, not in a self serving way. Uh, But, you know, all I'm really trying to do, Kenny, is like humanize these athletes and do right by these athletes and make sure that the soundtrack of their professional lives is something that they and their families are proud of, Uh, even if it extends to letting the masses know that it's Amanda Nunes' eggs that are inside (laughs) Nina right now. So for her to sort of acknowledge that with just a kiss on my forehead at the end of her goat career uh, is just very special to me. So I'm very happy for Amanda and uh, I can't wait to get hammered with those ladies several times here in south florida (laughs) as they you know vault off into retirement so
1: dude that that was such a cool moment man uh and and you do such a masterful job of weaving in the stories in and out and giving the people all the right information that they need uh and i I loved it that 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 was one of the best moments that i've seen you uh a a part of you know the first person she goes over hugs and kisses was john edick and it was it was cool man again it, it shows the respect, you know, not, not only her, a lot of the fighters obviously have for you. But to see Nunez go over, she spots you, she, she goes over, gives you a kiss on the forehead. I assume you haven't washed your forehead yet. But, uh, dude, that, that, that was a really, really cool moment, man. That's about as good as it gets right there.
0: meant the world to me. Well, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you as always. All right, congrats to Amanda Nunez. We'll see what happens with Rene Aldana. Real quickly, as far as this 135-pound division is concerned. Probably going to be Juliana Pena versus Raquel Pennington, I would think. You know, Pennington is the number 2-ranked contender. She's won five consecutive fights. She was the backup here, and Juliana Pena was to fight. But these are two former, you know, Amanda Nunes victims. Obviously, Pena has the head-to-head win. Uh, what are your thoughts now? I mean, it's a vacancy, right? I mean, this is yeah. a a massive, massive vacancy. <laughs> What are your thoughts on this UFC women's bantamweight division now moving forward without Amanda? And I would also just say, you know, Holly Holm, Ketlin Vieira, welcome news for a lot of these athletes, but this is a, a big, big hole that is going to be filled by somebody.
1: Listen, no, no disrespect to anybody in that division, but if we're being honest, it's Amanda Nunes. And then everybody else. That, that's how good she is. That's how good she was. I think there's some great fights. There's some really exciting fights. But when we're talking about the pinnacle of mixed martial arts skill. Amanda Nunes is in a class all by herself. So uh, I, I think that division we're, we're going to feel that. The fans are going to feel that to a for, uh, to a certain extent. But it does open up the door for you know other uh, fighters to emerge. Of course, right? Or maybe you know someone like uh, Shevchenko to go up or whatever. You know, so. It, It's very interesting in that regard that now it's uh, open territory, open season for someone to emerge and and try to fill that gap. No easy task, of course, with Amanda Nunes, greatest of all time there, but um, you know, I I think there's a lot of exciting fights. One of them uh, is that Pennington-Pena fight. I I think that would be an absolute banger. Those are two girls that love to move forward. It would be a great fight. And uh, yeah, I don't see any of them trying to give up an inch there. So- that's interesting. But Nunez, I mean, uh, you don't get a, a, an Amanda Nunez uh, very often. So, yeah.
0: And I don't believe Pennington Pena has happened prior. A lot of these 35ers have fought each other. Holly Holmes got experience and wins against most of these ladies. Last thing I had before we get to Charles DuBronx Oliveira. And I can assure you, if I ever grow my hair out, even a couple inches, we're <laughs> dying it blonde or bleaching it like Charles Dubron's Oliveira. But the last thing I had for you, and it's sort of a, a g- general conversation that you can lend your experience to this whole notion of the moment being too big for an athlete. I did not expect this moment to be too big for a Rene Aldana and Dean Thomas whom I spent some time with at the airport sort of suggested when he sees a fighter warming up and they perpetually are like getting unbalanced and they're having a hard time staying balanced as they're warming up. He worries that maybe nerves are an issue. I didn't like the way she looked when she hit the tunnel. Now, one thing I did not expect was this moment to be too big for Raina Aldana. And perhaps that was wrong of me. And perhaps you don't think it was too big for her. Right. But I often reference when she fought Larissa Pacheco 10 years ago, going into the belly of the beast, fighting in Belang Brazil in a jungle fight title fight when you're like four and one, right? 10 years later, 11 years later, I feel like with this wealth of experience that she would be ready to go. And I just thought she was wide-eyed. You know, she's fought Holly Holmes. She's been in a lot of big settings. She's main evented for the UFC. Anything, you know, whatever people want to say about your championship losses to BJ Penn and Jose Aldo, I don't believe that the moment was too big for you.
1: Uh, What do you have for me on that? Uh, That's a big point, man. And I think that uh, there's been moments like in the Diego Sanchez fight, the finale, the ultimate fighter, where the moment was too big for me. It was very overwhelming. Even in some of the wins after that, I was still getting my feet wet uh, and getting used to being uh, in in the octagon. And I think a championship fight is also extremely different. The whole buildup on fight week, answering all the questions, you start to build this thing up bigger than it is. You know, certain things that coaches may say, certain things leading up to the fight, certain things on fight night that make it a bigger deal. The reality is it's still just a fight. But this is the biggest fight of your life, and how you manage that in your head is super important. And to me, that could very well have been the case for Irene Aldana, um, where she's in this moment, and she just can't quite pull the trigger, and she was hesitant. She actually sees Amanda Nunes in front of her, moving around, trying to hit her. She gets off to a poor start, and then things just start to snowball from there. It's easy for that to happen to a fighter. What I do think, though, is she's going to learn a ton from this. If you're investigating yourself and trying to figure out what the hell happened and how do I allow myself to go out there and perform at my best when I need it, I think we're going to see a better Aldana because of it. I would not be surprised if she gets back to that championship uh, spot and we see a much, much better performance because of it. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors at play, John. Getting UFC jitters, whether it's your first fight or a championship fight, is a very real thing. There's a lot on the line, man. These these fighters are dealing with a lot. It's a big moment. There's someone in front of you that's trying to hurt you. We cannot forget that.
0: And the other thing that Dean Thomas said, and he is always sage, the weight cut, right? She has not made 135 pounds tons and tons of times over, and she – canceled our fighter meeting because she was already amidst her weight cut. There were rumblings that she was throwing up on Friday morning. She was the first fighter to hit the scale. She made 35. But I think it's ambitious to think that at 35 years of age, she can just keep making 135 pounds if she remains in practice as to what she is doing. And uh, I don't think the weight cut Helped her performance on Saturday night, but she is all class and uh, I do think valuable experience accrued for Reina Aldana, but congratulations to Amanda Nunez and uh, can't wait to give her a hug after she puts a capstone on the greatest women's combat sports career we have ever seen. All right, plenty more coming up over the next 35, 45, 50 minutes on UFC 289. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute.
1: Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah. We are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy-schmancy tilt-sip smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule-breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes... The official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California.
3: It's now time for the Ray Longo minutes.
2: I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's
1: what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
2: Oh, yeah. He's up. Oh, man, this is like uh, 4.30 in the morning to you guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it is 10.31 a.m. Eastern as we lay down the Anakin Florian podcast live to tape here on a Monday. Earliest call time we have asked of Raymond in the 415 episode history of the show. So I softly was hoping we could get you at this time because some of us have some conflicts later in the day. These pay-per-view recaps are huge shows for us. Thank you for waking up early, my man. man.
2: How pathetic is that? That this is early for me. Seriously, you can be <laughs> with you. Kenny. How path- I'm not even joking. How pathetic is that? Hey,
1: you're a busy man. You need your rest. You need to recover. A hundred percent. There
2: you yeah. go. There yeah. you go. I like it. <laughs> how we doing, John? Got a big kiss on the head. National oh. TVR.
0: <laughs> That's. I mean, I honestly feel like I can retire now, right? Like I don't ever think that I'll feel more fulfilled professionally, right? <laughs> Honestly. Right. I mean, all I'm really trying to do is uh, do right by these athletes. You know what I mean? And so to have her respect, you know, Conor McGregor once did an interview with Megan O'Leary and he said I was a huge asset to the company, you know, and it's just like things like that is what you live for, you know, and however self-serving it is for me to talk about it on the show, you know, so be it. But Thank
2: you. No, but let me tell you, Conor McGregor is 100% right. I was looking to joke around about it, but now that we're going down serious. No, let's joke about it. No no, (laughs) question. I I was going to say, just whatever you do, don't get anything else tattooed on your body because of that. uh, It's so funny because I was. Conor McGregor is 100% right. huge asset. I hope everybody realizes that too. No question.
0: Why couldn't I get like a Brazilian flag tattoo though or
1: something? (laughs) You should get the, like the Brazilian flag lips right here on the forehead. That'd be good. No, yeah, we could do it. You have her, like kiss on a piece of paper. And just have someone tatted on. Your head. Yeah.
0: But I have thought in the past, we did a tattoo bet actually on the Anakin Florian podcast back in 2015. That if Betch Cohea beat Ronda Rousey, I was getting the Brazilian flag <laughs> tattooed on I me and Betch Coheia did not get it done that night.
1: But did we yeah, really no go from Amanda here. Nunes to Benchley? We did, we did,
0: we did. But uh, well, before we spin it forward to uh to Charles Dubronx Oliveira, and you're looking great as usual, Raymond. Oh, Hit, your you. hairs, your hairs behaving better than ever. But what do you have for us on Amanda Nunes? I mean, what a what a tremendous performance on which to go out.
2: Yeah, listen, uh, unequivocally the greatest to ever do it. You know, female-wise, for sure, but babe, you could you could throw her in any conversation. But uh, you know, I I was I was more disappointed. You know, I I thought Aldana had a shot of winning that fight. Like I couldn't have been more wrong. Like I mean, I was more disappointed in Aldana getting that shot. And just like it was like a deer in headlights. You know, the first three rounds, you might as well have watched a man to work the heavy bag. That's what it kind of looked like. Right, and right. Any, it was it was almost frustrating. You could. Even her balance, I mean, she would just touch the leg. The girl was rolling around on the floor. It was just almost crazy. I, I don't know what I was feeling, but I, I just think you get that one shot and I, I would have just I, – I don't know. It's, it's, it's really weird, but I don't want to – I definitely don't want to take anything – like I think it was one of those things too where it wasn't even what um, Amanda was doing because she was playing it cautious a little bit at the beginning and she started picking up when she realized – absolutely nothing was coming back and she did the 100% the right thing. She gave us a little bit of everything, stand up on the floor, ground and pound. Uh, so it was a, a great performance by, by Amanda Nunes and um, you know, just everything. I, I mean, I'm happy for, her. it looks like she made the right move getting out. She's going to enjoy her family. Uh, yeah. I mean, as a coach, I, I don't know if she did or she didn't I, cause I wasn't really watching the whole thing, but I, I don't think she did, but I would have liked to have seen a, Thank like a Mike Brown or somebody at ATT that helped, uh, you know, the, the majority of those years. You know what I mean? As a coach, I, I get a little sensitive to that stuff. I think yeah. that would have been nice. I have no I, no clue or idea what happened, why she's even had it. Well, that. I do. And I didn't yeah.
0: before yeah. the fight week. That just was right. Yeah, so
2: yeah,
0: Amanda has no ill will towards any one individual. But I just believe a lot of things were mishandled. But I think okay. it's fair of you to say that. And I think everything you say is fair about the fight, Kenny. Like, it's really tricky when you get to these situations where you're trying to simultaneously praise and laud Amanda Nunez, while also acknowledging that Irene Aldana did nothing with this title fight. Like, I share a lot of Ray's emotions. Yeah. Like, what do you
2: do? Uh, I mean, I, John, I was frustrated. Uh, it was, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I just thought the Mex, you know, that Mexican thing, they had that thing going. Uh, it was, look, she took, towards the end of the fight, she took everything Amanda threw at it. you know, like you might as well go for it at that point. You know, it just turned into that, but look, Ama- it, th- that fight has nothing to do with the legacy of Amanda anyway, but she did. I thought she handled herself perfectly in that fight. You know, she picked it up as it was going on and, uh, she looked great as usual, but it was more, yeah, I, I don't know. It was a tricky way. Just it was more frust- frustrating, very frustrating to look at. It's a title fight. I mean, you got one shot. You worked your ass to get there. You definitely could bounce a little bit, I think, unless I'm totally wrong with what I was looking at in the past. But that was that was frustrating. As a coach, I, I would have lost my shit for sure with that.
0: Kenny, I know we talked about this a lot, and it's hard for me as a non-fighter to sit here and say, you know, come on, man. You know, you got one shot. You know, it's like I'm not in there getting fucking jabbed by Amanda Nunes. And by the way, there was one elbow, bro. Brothers, I should say that caused like a. you could see where it could have sliced her cheek wide the fuck open. I'm telling you guys, if that elbow that Nunes landed had like four more miles per hour a Randy Aldana might have a scar for life and we'd have a TKO yeah. and one of the most vicious knockouts in UFC history, you know,
1: man, I Nunez just had so many different weapons firing. And, and I, again, for Aldana, I, I just wonder what, what was going on, you know, was there something physical yeah. happening, you know, but yeah, again, there's no greater motivator than being down three rounds and, you know, you got 10 minutes to get a finish and we just didn't see that sense of urgency for whatever reason. And, um, she got off to a bad start that could happen, but not making any adjustments and not making, um, you know, not having the energy, like you're almost desperate in a way, you know, it's cool that you're staying composed and stuff, but throw stuff, throw stuff right, yeah. try to right. go out there and win that fight. And we just never saw that. So I don't know. Was it a physical shutdown? Was it a mental shutdown? Was it both? Yeah. We don't know.
2: Yeah. It was that to me, it was go out on your shield to go home. At, yeah. at that point, at some point in that fight, it's just, Trust me, you'd be better off going for it, getting in a little bit of a scrap. Now, who who knows what's going to happen? But that, yeah, I don't. You know, look, you don't want to be critical because, uh, like John said, you know, you, you did, the people in there. She earned the right to get up there. You know what I mean? And, and to be in that fight, it's just no. I'm I'm saying it was more. Yeah, I just it was the, uh, like depressing. It's I'm not. I'm. It's not a bad thing. I just. I I expected way more put it that yeah That yeah. just end it like that not only not even so not even getting technical or saying anything but just wow i just the hands never came away from my head It was yeah when you started looking right. at the punch stats we're not even at some point you're not even trying like it wasn't you weren't getting bombed that bad and i don't have to yeah i, I don't know it didn't look yeah. that way to me but i wasn't there you were there so you yeah. better No, I
0: and I agree with uh yeah. with a lot of your sentiments and your text messages. And again, we appreciate the text from Raymond Peter Longo on fight night all day. Uh, all right. Let us get to the yeah. co main event. Man. And if I had more muscle mass in my breast region, I would get Charles Oliveira's face tattooed <laughs> on my chest the way he has his relatives tattooed on his chest. I want to start with Ken Flo on this and then get to Raymond. Uh, Kenny, Charles Oliveira, man, you know. What else? What else can you say, man? He stopped twenty fucking men inside that octagon.
1: <laughs> that's insane. Um, and especially when you when you have the backdrop and the context that that's in the one hundred and fifty five pound division, a division where you know the guys legitimately in the top twenty five, maybe top thirty, are absolute killers. Now, I'll get into something a little bit different that might be a little bit of a party pooper, but um, as far as offensive skills and what this kid is capable of. When he hurts you, he takes you out right after that. That is a skill that very few people have, uh, and he can do it in a variety of ways, whether it's with some crazy, beautiful submission or some nasty knockout. Knees, elbows, uh, fists, it doesn't matter. He's an offensive marvel, and – um it, it, it's so pretty to see him work when he's moving forward and he's in a groove dude. There's very few people that are able to stop that. And um, this was a performance that was much needed for him. He obviously wants that shot against Mahashev again. I think he deserves it. Uh, and I thought it was just a fantastic performance. He was in some trouble there for a little bit against Benil Darius. Darius wasn't really able to take advantage of it, but uh, Anyway, I'll I'll give my thoughts on on kind of both those guys a little bit later. But uh, again, Oliveira offensively is one of the most impressive fighters that I have seen in the UFC. No question.
2: Yeah, I look. I agree with Kenny too. Killer instinct, off the charts. When he gets you hurt, he's a finisher. Period. That's it. And then like again, I think Kenny brings up a good word. When he's in the groove, when he's in his rhythm, he is a he's a beast, man. I think sometimes I think what gets overshadowed maybe is because he's got so many ways to get you out of there. Like, you know, like, you know, Gaethje, you know, he's coming, he's swinging for the fences. He's trying to chop your leg down. This guy could do it also, but he has other ways of winning too. So I think, I think that's what confused me a little bit. His striking, I thought that fight was off the hook. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, I thought that uh, Saturday night there was, I don't know. I really felt like there was going to be two upsets. Not that that would have been an upset because uh, Darius was the uh, I think he was the favorite by the end. But, uh, man, you and you could see Darius. He did have a way to victory. He looked like he could survive on the ground if he could have taken him down and stayed on top. He probably could have played it safe. He, he looked good down there. But that but when that fight got back to its feet, that other guy was just like a terminator, man. I tell you, yeah. very, very super impressive.
0: We gotta get rid of that fucking crackle, man. Snap, crackle, pop. It's like cereal right now. That sounds awful. But yes, Banil Daryush, there's a lot of angles, of course, on his side of things in this matchup. Oh my god, man. I can't even take it. Like I'm not even ignoring it anymore. Somebody typing that is fucking brutal. I can't even do the show like that. I'm not even playing. I
2: just heard it. I just heard it now.
0: Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm not even messing around. I know producers don't like when you mention stuff like this, but I'm not going to just continue to do the show like this. Oh, my God. We can stop the fuck down. No, maybe it just stopped. All right, let's continue. So there are plenty of Darius angles on all of this. You see, see, I do have a dark side. You see it come out when we have technical issues. That sounds beautiful right now. So we will get to Benil Darius and all of this. But for Charles Oliveira when you look at this kid's body of work, right? And the way he responded to Islam Makhachev's loss. The way he responded to the loss, weighing 154 pounds, the appetite for hard work, right? This is a kid who made his UFC debut at 20 years of age, right? He has this entire nation on his shoulders, right? He is the king of Sao Paulo. He's one of the most popular fighters in the world today. All the loudest ovations all week long were reserved for this guy. He is a bona fide UFC superstar, With arguably the greatest resume of any fighter of all time. I'm not saying it's my argument, but you can certainly make it. You know, you add a Benil Darius scalp to this resume after Benny Darius reels off eight consecutive wins and you go beat him like this. I don't know what else to say, man. You know, first ballot, Kenny doesn't even begin to describe his legacy.
1: Oh, he's gonna he's gonna get that for sure. Um, and and this is where Kenny the Party Pooper comes in. Yeah, do I, it. I think that I, I think that both guys when they fight and, and let's let's go to Benil's uh eight fight win streak. That is insane. Okay, doing that in the UFC is is no freaking joke. However, he is a guy that has flirted with disaster. Um, in that even in his wins, it's like he almost loses. And going against a guy like. Charles Oliveira, who's so offensively minded, uh, offensive minded, he's going to catch you at some point. And and I think Charles Oliveira defensively, we've seen him struggle at times. We've seen him knocked out against, knocked down against Gaethje. We've seen him get dropped against Islam and some other fights where he comes back and you know able to rally back. Uh, So I I think that when you're talking about uh, offense, killer instinct, most finishes in UFC history. Yeah, he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Is he the greatest lightweight of all time? I don't know, because I'm thinking about, like, let's say Habib. If we're thinking about Habib Nurmagomedov, for example, I I don't remember a time where he's been dropped. I don't remember a time where you're like, oh, my gosh, is he going to make it out of this round? I, I do remember those moments for Charles Oliveira on maybe more than five occasions. So. That's the only thing that's kind of preventing me from, you know, going there and, and kind of hoisting him up as, as the greatest. But, uh, he is a guy that is so exciting to watch. The reason everyone's given him this big pop and why everyone wants to see him fight is because, all right, unlike Habib, he's extremely exciting. He's going out there to get in your face and finish you any way he can. That's what, that's what uh, creates a superstar. OK, yeah. whether he has the belt or not. And that's what separates Charles Oliveira from someone else. You know, is yeah. he technically perfect? No, uh, you know, things that needs to show up. Uh, but as far as, you know, looking at a guy paying money to see someone fight, it's right. Charles Oliveira. That's why he's a huge star. That's why he goes out there and gets finishes. And um, that's why I think the UFC should put him as, as the next guy to to go in there against Mahashev. Ray, any chance you can grab some headphones? We actually have you
0: muted right now. I don't know if you have any headphones around, but I'm being told the crackling is, uh, is because uh, we need some headphones. But if you don't have headphones, then we will take any version of you that we can.
2: Let me go All right.
0: Ray's going to go grab some headphones. Sounds like fucking trash. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love you, though. No, it Anakin Florian podcast poll question. Can you mute him for me? Thank you. Hey, DraftKings Network, don't fire us after this week. Anakin Florian podcast poll question. Who do you believe is the greatest lightweight in UFC history? No wrong answers. Question is open to interpretation. And these are my words. I'd argue no one is more accomplished than Charles Oliveira, but is he your lightweight goat? Still plenty of time to vote. Khabib Nurmagomedov getting 47.7% of the vote. Charles Oliveira, 41.5% of the vote. BJ Penn, 10.4% of the vote. Now, Kenny, I don't really know that there's any other name you could inject into the conversation. You know, Islam Akashev was the fourth choice, but nobody's really going to acknowledge him over Khabib in that conversation right now. Yeah. Charles Oliveira can lay claim to having finished a lot of the guys that are also on Khabib Nurmagomedov's championship resume. 29-0 will always be hard to argue with. Khabib Nurmagomedov's domination juxtaposed against, I don't know, maybe double-digit UFC losses even for Charles Oliveira, right? Like, there are weird points of comparison when it comes to Charles Oliveira and Khabib Nurmagomedov, but... No lightweight fighter has accomplished more than Charles Oliveira inside that octagon and the longevity component of what he has done. He's had so many different phases to his career. I just feel like when you add this win to everything that he has already done, given that every sharp mind out there seemingly was backing Benil Daryush, I just think this is a huge, huge singular win and a win that Habib doesn't have.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And and again, I, I don't want to say it's irrelevant almost, but at the end of the day, when someone is looking to buy a, a UFC ticket and it's, let's say, between a Habib Nurmagomedov or, or a Charles Oliveira, uh, people are going to pick Charles Oliveira all day, you know, uh, it, just because of that style. And, you know, shit is going to go down when he goes in there to compete. I, I mean, he's. It's so impressive to see him go out there, pick his opponents apart, and when he has you hurt, he finishes you. Period. You can't say that about any other guy, uh, you know, besides really Charles Oliveira. And he's doing it at an extremely high level, and he's been doing this for an extremely long time. It's it's so fun to watch, man. It, it really is. He, he's an absolute dynamo. And one of the most amazing statistics in
0: MMA history is that Conor McGregor's weight class that, in theory, would have been the best one for him to fight in long-term, 155 pounds. Conor has one lightweight win, and it's over Eddie Alvarez for the (laughs) title. And yes, that made him the double champion, and you can argue that as the most significant singular win in UFC lightweight history because of it. But absolutely remarkable that Conor McGregor only has one lightweight win in his entire career. And that's why, of course, he's not anywhere near this conversation as great as I think he could have been competing consistently at 155 pounds. I mentioned all the sharps on Benil Darius, right? Benil Darius was the favorite all week. It seemed as though maybe like right at close, there was a big Charles Oliveira bet because my brother seemed to see Charles Oliveira minus 125 when at times on fight day, Charles was plus 130. But, you know, Chale Sonnen suggested Charles Oliveira wouldn't win around. There were a lot of people that went all in on Benil Daryush. You had a perfect UFC 289. The only fight you didn't hit was this one. Um, so, what were your thoughts on, on Benil Daryush's performance and everything that this fight week held for uh, for Benny Daryush?
1: Thank you for asking. I, I wanted to get into that. I thought Benil got into some great positions, right? I mean, he was able to get on top. And to me, Man, I, I, you know, I want to be respectful of Benil, but me, he wasn't adjusting. I, I saw not the best MMA IQ out there in that he kept trying to throw the biggest shots from very far away. And Charles Oliveira is just too damn slick, man. You're on top and you're, you're trying to wing these huge shots. And Oliveira was avoiding all of them as opposed to kind of calming down, mix up your strikes, you know, similar to just trying to go for overhand rights on the feet. How about a jab here and there? What? How about you know some some small shots, some body shots, something to mix things up that Oliver had to adjust with. And I felt like he almost got a little bit too emotional and just started scrapping as opposed to trying to pick him apart and 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 just land shots on his jaw. And uh, Benny's an excellent grappler; he really is, and he's got power. But I think he got he got himself a little bit too emotional when he got that top position. You know, similar to Irina Aldana. Different people are going to react in these big moments in different ways. Yeah. And I think after this one, Benny's going to look back at that and go, man, I should have settled down. I should have looked for smarter shots out there instead of trying to take his head off. He should have been a little bit more methodical and way more calculated uh, when he had that top position in, inside Olivera's guard. So Benil
0: Garguch had a lot of interesting things to say in our fighter meeting. He said, Charles Oliveira is still a mystery to me. And then he also had a quote that he said, the hardest thing for me is discipline mid-fight, that he loves an ugly fight. But yeah, I agree, Kenny. Like seemingly his strong fight IQ and his instincts were not there on the night that he most needed them to be there. And it was interesting just – Seeing the way he approached this fight week, and uh, you know, I think we all do it differently. He's got his kids like in the room with him, and I don't yeah, know that yeah, that yeah. unleashes your most primal state. Um, I do think maybe there was part of this fight week that Benil Daru would go back and redo. Ray, what do you have for us on the Daru side, if anything?
2: Yeah, look, I'm 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 agreeing with both of you guys, and and it's different, but it's similar. I, it looked like both Aldana and Benil, they just. They kind of, uh, but not really Benil, but 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 Kenny brings up something like he's been in some of those chaotic situations. He doesn't come out on top. I mean, I I, I kind of put that on also on Oliveira, but Oliveira, man, that he just he went right through it. I don't know. I think. Uh, I don't know. At least you saw a way of it. like again. You, I could see him doing really good on the floor, standing up. Wise, I thought he'd do way better. I didn't think. I thought he could control the pace a little better, pick his shots, get to the floor a little easier. Uh, but once once the chaos started, he he jumped right in there, and the same thing happened to him. That happens that happened to him in the past a couple of times, which which stinks. But because uh, I know he waited so long for this moment and right. uh you know and 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 as much as i agree with you john with the kids and stuff if you know the guy i mean he's just a laid-back chilled out guy right? yeah so yeah that that's that's good and bad it's it, it might be bad for the reasons you're alluding to but it's also good in the loss that he recognizes the only thing that matters to him is he has his family and i think that's what's going to give him solace moving forward so i think yeah. it's a kind of like a double edged sword but i think yeah. he's one of those guys that that really keeps adam in perspective so as if if he had to go out he's going to go out bringing that kid every time you know no, what i mean i think that's just and i think it. that's, I a, that's, I think good that's but, I, but i think your point is Really well taken. You like that. You know, and me too. Focus. Let's go. But everybody's different. But yeah, uh, no, you're right. I, like if you said yeah. to Kenny
0: Flory and Ken Flo title eliminator against Gray Maynard, will give you an extra quarter million. But your kids have to sleep in your hotel room the night before the fight. He would say, keep your fucking money. There's just no way. Everybody's different. But yeah, I thought we hit on a lot of truths when it comes to uh, to Benil Darush. I think. I think I over prep for Charles Oliveira, right? His fights don't <laughs> last that long. There's so much we leave on the table, right? The whole shoot to box angle, right? Macaco, former student of Rafael Cordero under that banner back in the day. We touched on it a little bit, but you're not getting into any of that stuff when it comes to Charles because his fights are so quick. One thing I wanted to share with the audience, and uh, I'm a little scrambled today, so I hope I didn't already yeah. reference this, but yeah. Ray, I asked Charles about power and if he trained for power, if he always knew he had natural power. Michael Chandler, I've asked about this. He says he definitely trains for power and thinks you can. Some people think it's all rooted in technique. I think a smoke alarm might have just gone off here. Um, But Charles Oliveira deflected when I asked him about power. He was just giving all credit to shoot the box and the system and the coaches. And he feels like he unleashes power really based more upon technique and speed that he's been taught. So what are your thoughts on natural power versus trained power and all that?
2: I think there's nothing better than a guy some guys just have dynamite in their hands, man. They just have bricks in their gloves. It's you know, but yeah. some of those guys can't get it to the target either. So they expose themselves too much. So uh yeah, but yeah. I mean you obviously the stronger you are, you should be more powerful. I mean, you could get like really technical with it, but yeah, it, it's 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 more based on technique, you know what I mean, where you if you can get the punch there quicker than the guy could see it, like it's you got natural power, you know. And 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 again, to have no power at all, like where you can't break an egg, you would see a big difference. But everybody's got enough power. Mo- most of the guys we're talking about, anyway, to get somebody out of there for sure. I don't know if that yeah. answers the question. Or yeah, not, no, but it he, does. You know, I, I no, think I, he's I, right. In, I think he's right in saying technique and everything else, but. You know, you get into those gym wars, which you know Shootbox was famous for. Your power is coming in. Let me tell you uh, uh, something. I'm sure I mentioned on the show before. Oliveira fought at one of my shows, The Ring of Combat, before the UFC. So we're looking at like 2008, 2009. He beat a tough, a local kid who was a tough kid. I mean, he decapitated him. Power. Wow. I, I'm, I'm, I was in shock when he got in the UFC. I wasn't seeing what I saw in the ring of combat, he was a vicious kicker. And you could even see with the head kick, Darius blocked that kick. You know what I mean? But it went right know, through. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think it was the speed of which you got up there. You get caught off guard. There's a lot of things that go with the power. I don't wanna sit here and go through that all day. But um but his his uh he was I mean he was powerful back in the day. Yeah, I, that's like a- again I'm telling you right now he, he has natural power, especially you know, for a lanky, a guy like that, he, he's definitely has power and he's obviously he's proven it. And I mean, look at it, look at his record, look at the guys he's beat, you know?
0: Yeah. That's a uh, cool reference, Kenny. Did you want to jump in with something there? I believe you did.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. No, I was going to say I, Ray actually touched on it after uh, the, the speed, also, right? It's like if yeah. your brain isn't ready to take that impact, yes. and didn't expect yes. it to come from a certain angle. It right. rocks you, and and Oliveira definitely had that speed advantage against Darius. And I also think we've seen him get so much better, right? I mean, Oliveira has made such great improvements, not only you know with his technique, but with his confidence, his overall game, and how he puts. All together, he's got so many weapons that you have to worry about. That you know your brain's kind of scrambled, fi- trying to figure out what the hell is he going to throw next, and and that is such that is such an important skill set.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. My, my point about him fighting at the ring of combat too is that uh, you at that night he was head and shoulders above most of the guys fighting on that card. Like you knew yeah. this kid was going to be a champion or he was going to be good. He was it was vicious. I'm telling you it was there was vicious and uh I'm glad he got to the point where he got. I mean, look, one the only criticism if I had a criticism, I I I don't see anything out of that performance that makes me think the Islam fight would go different. I don't know if that's just me, right. I just think that matchup he could beat every and now I'm convinced everybody he's going to beat. He just might be stuck in that category where he can't get – he can't beat the champ because I think that matchup is just a bad matchup for
3: him.
0: Yeah, see, I think he can beat Islam. I think that betting line for that potential rematch in October is completely out of whack. I'm seeing Charles at like plus 360. I guess we'll see, you know, but um – um I just feel like everything that he has done since that loss in terms of the camp and the statement at 154 pounds and even the conviction and confidence that comes with this result, I guess we'll see, you know, but uh, I,
1: I I think he deserves it, John. There's no question. I I agree with Ray though on, because Islam doesn't throw himself out of position. Islam doesn't take major risks. There's no like holes in his game where you're like, Oh, Charles could expose this or that." that. He just, the, the dude doesn't make mistakes. That's that's the problem yeah, with Islam yeah. Mahashev. So that's what makes it tough in a rematch. So I agree with Ray there. But um, yeah. as far as you know, someone who's gonna mo- who's gonna move forward and try to finish the fight, like that's how you beat Islam Mahashev. You don't go out there and try to decision him or outpoint him. You need someone with a skill set like a Charles Oliveira who's at least gonna try to go for the finish. That's his best bet of kind of creating that chaos. And I don't think there's anyone else. Uh, that can do it, like Oliveira. In that regard, so that's kind of why I want to see it. But uh, you know, so I, I, but I do agree with Ray at the same time.
2: Yeah.
0: And right and now on sports
1: Sportsbook, Islam Akhshab minus
0: three hundred, Charles Oliveira plus two fifty. Go ahead, Ray.
2: Yeah, crazy. I mean, but I, I'm agreeing too with you guys. He one hundred percent deserves that shot. Like that's yeah. the tricky part. You can't deny him the shot because he looked that good and he is that good but sometimes you know styles make fights and i just that strong wrestling base seems to be Oliveira's weak spot like again when that guy gets on top he's not making mistakes like kenny said he's that's where the problem is so it's either you can get him out standing or you're gonna have trouble with him you know and i mean look at look how well he got knocked down and then submitted so that's what we say that could happen but he just i thought that was a dominant win for islam and you know, we kind of know Olivera could do now what he did to uh, Benil to 99% of the guys. And that's where it gets tricky to me is that I'm I'm not sure I'm seeing the, the rematch going his way, but he 100% deserves it. And that's all that matters, I think, when you give a guy a shot. And I think this time maybe he does things differently. Maybe, you know, he can make it a better fight, you know, maybe even based on, you know, Volkanovski's uh, performance performance. Uh, with Islam, you know, maybe he picked up a couple of things that he could exploit. Who knows? That's that's his camps. Uh, hopefully they're in tune with that. But, he you know, 100 percent deserves that shot.
0: July 29th, Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje fight for a second time for the BMF title. The calendar for the winner of that fight, even by knockout quickly, wasn't necessarily going to align for October against Islam. Makhachev had Benil Daryush won. It seemed like he was going to turn around quickly and fight Islam in October. But For Charles Oliveira to set up a second fight with Islam Akasha based upon the way the first fight went, he needed exactly this to essentially make himself undeniable. Like if you're Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje watching that fight, you're thinking, man, like how do you deny Charles right now? And Volkanovski could factor into this equation as well. Huge fight for him against Yair Rodriguez, but there's definitely a groundswell of support for a second meeting between those two guys as well. All right, Ray, before we let you go, It will be Brad Tavares for Chris Weidman in his return. It'll be Boston, Massachusetts, where at least in MMA, they like blindly support New Yorkers, right? But like (laughs) if I'm a Boston fan in the building that night, cheering Tavares, absolutely booing the New Yorker Chris Weidman, probably booing the New Yorker Aljamain Sterling if I'm in Boston, right? Not going to root for New Yorkers, Uh, but very excited nonetheless to have Chris back for the first time since April of 2021. And, you know, I do say a lot of that tongue-in-cheek Chris has a huge <laughs> spot occupied in my heart and uh I'm very emotional and happy to have him
2: back of course yeah no it's 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 great he sounds great man he sounds great and uh you know he's been training out in uh, South Carolina we'll we'll start talking about when he's coming here or if I'm going there or whatever we're going to do but
1: uh, Ooh, yeah, Carolina, he's Carolina yeah. Chris now yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's Carolina. Not New York he's not New York anymore he's yeah. Carolina Chris
0: could have and a little uh, Florian a- Longo reunion in the Carolinas. Uh, yeah. yeah, we got to meet up because I don't.
2: I don't yeah. think
1: Chris is too far. I don't think he's too yeah. far from me. So.
2: I think he's in Fort Mills. I don't know how yeah. far that is from you, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. And uh, just but let me shout out. Uh, I got three guys fighting at the CFFC this Please. upcoming Friday, which is good on fight pairs. Uh, Dennis Bazooka. Trying to get into the UFC again, so he's looking good. Damian Nelson and Charlie Campbell. <clears throat> three good Ooh, guys. I, I expect wow. three uh I expect three finishes. This Woo. is a big weekend. Go. You got
0: Damian Nelson, you got that fucking Charlie Campbell trigger, <laughs> Dennis Bazooka. Hey Ray.
2: Well, oh, geez. I'll Dennis you,
0: Bazooka. I mean, he's already deserving of a UFC roster spot, but he finds himself in an interesting situation because a fight like this, when you're on the precipice. And I hope he's not listening. Like decisions aren't good enough.
2: Yeah, yeah. You're right. It's a
0: hard reality, but that is the truth. Like generally speaking, as I have tried, however infrequently, to get regional guys into the UFC with a soft word to Sean Shelby, you better be on a win streak and you almost better be on a finishing streak.
2: Yes. Yeah. I think he makes that pretty clear. Yeah. You know.
0: And I also think too at this stage of the game, given the bloated nature of the roster, short notice, Dana White contender series, I know Bazooka obviously has had some experience there, but short notice mm. and Dana White's contender series are are the two that's primary the, that, conduits that, to get in.
2: That's the only way to get in. It is at this yeah. point. I think it's the only that's 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 what they're doing now. It looks like that. So uh, Hopefully, we get a couple of more guys on the contender series, too. So, I'm excited about that. We already have one guy on, uh, Pampos Gregorio uh, nice. Bantamweight. So, that's good, too. But, anyway.
0: All right, man. Well, hey. uh, big weekend. I'll be watching CFFC on UFC Fight Pass this weekend. Just kidding. Uh, yes. I won't be. But,
2: no, I actually I'll, might. I'll be cornering with Aljo, too. I think, I think the CFFC nice. might be doing, like, a Hall of Fame dinner for him also. Oh wow! It's going to be a nice weekend,
1: Ray. Good luck, man. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's good
2: stuff. Um, Hey, thank you for waking up early. Is the crackling still going on? Was that me? I really apologize. That's
0: okay. Um, No, it's fine. I'll
2: bring the head. No, I'll leave the headphones here. It was definitely the headphones, though.
0: No, I mean, I have a, a call with uh, our chief of content, Stacey McCollum at DraftKings next week, and hopefully she doesn't bring it up, but all good. You know. Sabotage the <laughs> whole fucking show. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, real quick. I, before hey, I, listen, crackly so,
2: can't cancel out the, the content. It's impossible. That's right. No, it, absolutely. unbelievable. They recognize Content that. is
0: king. So yeah. in all seriousness, right, did yeah. you have to like set an alarm and, and pivot your schedule a little bit to make this 1030 a.m. window work?
2: Oh, 100%. But the okay. good news is why I called Cody last night. So I'm doing Weidman's podcast at like 1230. So I got to oh, race to so the you, gym. because I So you yeah, might
0: not so, have been available to us in our normal window. No, so it's good definitely we got not. Your, no, no, you know oh, okay. that. I won't even go right. there.
2: you get for no, okay. it. Right. I'm not going Cheating anywhere. Cheating with another podcast no, right behind our backs. Not happy it, but it actually worked out good is what I'm saying, as much as it's early for me. It worked out great. All right, buddy. Well, uh, (laughs) I might
0: be in the New York area next week, so I absolutely will look you up. Let's do it, man. I wish you a great day and a better evening, and of course, all the best this weekend uh, at Cage Fury Fighting
2: Championships. All right, guys. I will talk to you nuts. You want to get treated like a king, give me a buzz.
0: All right, buddy. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Take Take care. care Take care. I'll see you. The
0: Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Podcast. Brian Petrie coming up in about three minutes. I just want to hit on proper Mike Mallott, and we will extend the UFC 289 recap with Mr. Petrie here in a few minutes. But to the surprise of me as I was prepping this show, and I think to the surprise of our UFC fan base, Kenny, there are only 16 Canadian fighters on this UFC roster of over 700 fighters. And we have been waiting for somebody to take this torch for this nation and become a star, right? We've talked in the past about you sort of being – maybe born in the wrong city to be this, like, wildly popular professional athlete, right? In Boston, Massachusetts, with the Red Sox, the Patriots, the Celtics, and the Bruins. Now, obviously, in your prime, when you were fighting for the title, like, you were a massive star in Boston. But in Canada, Kenny, it does not take much for you to have this nation by the testicles. And there have been a lot of fighters, Hakeem Dawadu and Gavin Tucker and others, who we thought maybe could do it. And Hakeem Dawadu is actually the only man to beat proper Mike Malotte. But at least right now, with respect to all the Canadians, Charles Jourdain and others, there is a one. There is a one as to which guy could potentially take the torch for Canada. It is proper Mike Malotte. He took advantage of this showcase. He gets Adam Fugit out of there with a submission in round two. He has 10 pro wins. They are all by finish. Nine of them in round one. He's an outstanding grappler. I'm curious what you thought about Mike Belad and ultimately what you think the ceiling might be for uh, for Canada's best hope for UFC Golden Glory here in 2023.
1: He's an excellent athlete as well, and, and from what I can see, you know, just overall package, um, you know, he really has everything to be that star. No question about it, man. I was really impressed with his takedowns. Uh, is his opportunistic submission that he hit there. Um, that That's a beautiful submission that you don't see a whole lot of people hit. It's become a little bit more popular on, at the high levels of the grappling circuit. I think the first time I saw it was maybe Nate Diaz way back in the day. It's an arm and guillotine. Yeah. But what you're doing is it's kind of like that high elbow guillotine. They call it the high wrist uh, guillotine as well, that wrist connecting to the shoulder and you're controlling the arm. So there's almost no escape there. That's high level shit. OK, that, that is not easy to pull off. Um, those takedowns are beautiful. He's extremely. extremely. Extremely technical and his ability to put it all together and he's not just a grappler. I think that his striking looked very sharp as well. It's good enough to get him at the range that he needs to be. Um, And, you know, he looks like an athlete. He moves like an athlete. um, So he says the right things. He's exciting when he gets the mic. And I I definitely think Canada can have a big star in Mike Mallott. So it it was great to see that performance. You know, I think was it last fight or the fight before that. He got a little too scrappy, maybe a little bit reckless, but still pulled off the win. Showed that he has heart. He's got determination. He's got a chin. So uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the Canadian fans. I think they definitely have something in Mike Mallott. No question. I wouldn't be surprised to
0: see him headline maybe against a ranked welterweight later in the year in Canada. Huge win for uh for proper Mike Malott and uh, I do think it goes without saying we miss your Jujitsu Analytics on the uh the UFC telecast. All right, plenty more coming up on UFC 289 as we recap it. Let's get to Brian Petrie and our main event challenge. It's the main event challenge.
3: And The time is most definitely made.
1: Orion. I finished fights. I'm gonna do everything possible to win the main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Let's and go. A great big
0: Brian Petrie now joins us from his vacation in Wilmington, yeah. North Carolina. Good to see
3: you, handsome. Carolina Brian is what they're calling me down here. A, <laughs> I like that. I, yes. I, I hope they keep it in, John, when you freaked out about the tech issues because it's all stand. I bought a mic and a stand and I'm like, I want to keep it professional. I have a Mac computer. I don't have a fucking dongle and (laughs) I, I lost my shit. My kids left for the beach like dad's mad. We're getting out of here. So I was so bummed out. And I'd seeing you relax that react like that, I'm like, okay, we're human. We got it, babe. We got yes,
0: it. We're good. And you sound great and you look good. great. And of good. course, we're always happy to have you. And uh Kenny, I hope you don't mind when I bring up some of the Boston stuff. But oftentimes I talk about like Uriah Faber in Sacramento. Right. Right? That's the perfect city in which to be an MMA fighter at that point in time. And, yeah, he's got a lot of charisma, you know, but they got what? the Sacramento Kings and nothing else. Like, you think Uriah Faber's some massive star in Boston? Wait, are
1: you telling me it's not like the Patriots, and Kenny Florian, <laughs> the <laughs> Celtics, the Bruins? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't believe. Well, well, Bilal
0: Muhammad did a podcast over the weekend, and he talked about – being one of the best athletes in Chicago right now. And I don't deny him that, right? He's comparing himself to Justin Fields. And I think it's sort of a little bit of an act and we love Bilal. He's family, Um, but it's hard in a big city. And Bilal's done a lot of things to throw out the first pitch for the White Sox and the Cubs or whatever, but it is hard in a big city. And when you're in a small nation like Canada, that is so rabid about its mixed martial arts, the opportunity. For these fighters, like proper Mike Malott, to change his life financially and otherwise is just insane. I'm just telling you. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. I wanted to uh, ask you about Dan Ige, if I could, Brian Petrie. Big win over Nate Landwehr. And... Mm -hmm. uh, I hate to trot out sort of a lazy phrase, like, oh, there are levels to this game, yeah. right? But a lot of people were wondering if Nate Landwehr could level up. And sure. uh, I just thought Danny Gay fought a brilliant fight. Ken Flo, I remember four or five fighter meetings ago when he even told us, oh, I'm starting to play with some more switches, some open stances. Mm-hmm. And great performance by Danny Gay. Brian Petrie, what did you think about the featherweights on pay-per-view?
3: I mean, incredible fight. We all knew it was going to be. Nate Detrain's a stud. I mean, listen, I thought Nate Detrain, the obviously there are levels to this. And you got, uh, you got Dan Ige who really leveled up his own game with the switching. <clears throat> Big power. Horrible matchup for Nate the Train, by the way, too. Some of those elbows, some of those shots Nate was landing would probably hurt someone else. But Dan Ige is so built different. He doesn't get hurt. He's he's a stud. The only time I've ever seen him get hurt was in the body by Edson Barboza. That can happen to anybody. Um, incredible fight. I think Nate's right there. His personality is going to take him there. Is he World Championship material? Is he going to hold 145 belt? You know, maybe, maybe not, but he's going to be a guy that we're going to all want to see. Love him at the press conference. But Dan Ige, yeah, those switches that confused Nate and dropped them were, were a thing of beauty. I loved it. And you're right. I think there are levels and I think Ige leveled up. I'm, I'm curious to see him start touching top 10, top five guys again and, and see where he's at.
0: Kenny, this was Nate Landwehr's seventh UFC appearance. It was actually my first time meeting him or talking to him or calling his fight. Decorated former M1 global champion. Accomplished a lot in Russia. But this night belonged to Dan Ige, a guy who's twice headlined for the UFC. The guys that have beat Dan Ige recently, right? He lost two main events, I believe, to Josh Emmett and Calvin Cater. He also lost to Mobsar Ievloyev. But where do you stand on Dan Ige at present? And ultimately, what do you think about him moving forward here at 45?
1: I think he's trending upwards. You know, when you look at his performance here against Nate Landwehr, in my opinion, I saw some new things that I haven't seen out of him before. Uh, always has the power that will stay with him for sure. Now, how do we use that power? How do we get those angles? How do we confuse Well, we're seeing that now with the shifting stances? He's looking for angles. He's been working with a buddy of mine, Jimmy Gifford, uh, originally from Boston. So I, I know he's been really working on his hands. He's blessed with power. And he also, you know, he has that Brazilian Jitsu black belt. Uh, to fall back on. He's tough to hold down. So he's definitely making improvements and, and doing the right things to stay relevant in that division. No question. All right.
0: Congratulations to Mark Andre Barrio. Big win over Eric Anders. And I do believe that Anders remains game. I just think there are some limitations to his overall game. But I did think that, that it was a spirited effort out of Eric Anders. And I think the broadcast reflected that. Jasmine Jazz Divisius, part of a 6-0 and night for Canada with Eamon Zahabi. Kyle Nelson in a must-win situation over Blake Builder. And Steve Erseg. Everybody in Perth and across Australia knows how good this guy is. And, and now the rest of the UFC world does as well. Well, don't you worry. We're going to get to the no contest here coming up shortly. But let us update the results after UFC 289. Good week for both of you guys as you continue to hit him straight. Petrie 4-2 and two on the week, plus $310. You had the three-unit trigger on Marc-Andre Barrio, the hit on Charles Oliveira at plus money. Missed on Landwehr. You took a shot on him at plus money. Uh, and you did give out a wayward prelim pick on Blake Builder. <laughs> But overall, talk to me about your night at the window, UFC 289.
3: We did okay. I got to admit something. I'm an honest guy. I'm, I'm a bit of a fraud. And I'm going to go ahead and name drop here. Your boy, Evan Longoria, DM me, said, hey, big fan of the pod, everything like that. He goes, the only thing you you bet against Benny. Like, what's up, man? You got to go Benny. So I said, listen, I actually took Benny, but I went opposite Florian part of our game. So I did have Benny Darius. I had a $50 bet with a buddy of mine, side bet, that Benny was good. If anyone's going to submit anybody, Benny would submit Charles. Obviously, that didn't happen. So, even though I'm getting points in our game from Charles, I'm a bit of a fraud because I did bet Benny and lose. So, I want to make that obvious. But I did hit Ursay. I think that Astro Boy's is a stud. I did a lot of tape study on him. I think he's clean on the feet, he's smooth, good on the, I mean, when he gets on the ground, man, he is He's slick. Um, positioning needs to work on some stuff, but like he'll jump, he'll jump on your neck, your, your arm, whatever. He's great. And, uh, yeah, so we did okay. We're, we're up slight up. I don't even think we cracked a full unit. I can't live bet North Carolina what sucks, but, uh, other than that, I think we're okay.
0: All right. And on the team Florian side, I mean, this kid just continues to stripe the ball, folks, four and one that included a three unit whack on Mike Malat, And that nice. pick in retrospect, mm-hmm. Kenny, looks extremely sharp because Mike Malat was not minus 280, right? He was minus 200. Few gets game as fuck. Your Petrie three unit play on, on Marc Andre Barrio looks very sharp as well at the short price. Uh, only miss for Kenny on the night, as we mentioned, Benny Darius. So Florian plus four hundred and seventy dollars. Now plus two hundred and fifty-five dollars on the year. And uh Petrie creeping back to the black as well, minus twenty-four twenty. <laughs> no contest on the featured prelim between Nasordini Mabov and Chris Curtis. Sort of another tough non-W for Florian Mm -hmm. as far as the main event challenge is concerned. I had a chance to spend some time with Chris after the fact. Ten stitches, partial corneal abrasion, and uh, as much as he wanted to stay in a fight he was not winning, Mm -hmm. can't fight with one eye. What were your thoughts on your boys' uh, no contest over the weekend?
3: Yeah, so I talked to him afterwards. I, I didn't talk to him much before the fight. I talked to him afterwards. and. You know, I love Chris, but he is, you know, he's a guy that's won a lot and he's a little bit of a sore loser. People get after him on social media and he doesn't like it. However, he's taking this pretty well. He's very upset. Listen, if you get cut, you get a headbutt, you can't fight, you can't fight. That's the first time in 40 fights he's ever done that. But he's so pissed off that he got taken down because his glove got caught in his shorts yeah he's like i lost my perfect fucking stat because my gloves got caught in my short he's like this wow. guy should not have taken me down he didn't feel strong in there he's strong when he's got the plum but body locks were nothing so that was our conversation i just told him to keep his head up because sometimes he yeah. gets emotional after stuff like this and he seems to be doing good i told him he's got a baby on the way enjoy your girl's pregnancy enjoy your son y- you fought a lot in this past year and a half take a beat. You know, you don't need to rush back in there, take a beat, but I know right. he's going to be training next week. But uh, yeah, I mean, I saw some hate online. I saw some, you know, a couple of my buddies even texting me, you know, maybe a little boozed up going, if he says he can continue, why can't he continue? I was like, so you have never obviously been hit in the head with anything before the guy's got a cut. So of his eyes, eyes will season up a little bit because panic yeah. setting in because her's was like, we'll give you a minute, but we got to go. It's reminds me of Jeremy Stevens. Yaya Rodriguez out of Mexico. The eyes are seasoned shut and he's trying to open it up. I mean, he used Jason Herzog's shirt to try to get it out of his eye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that yeah, that cut, a, yeah. That was a dude. That was a bad cut.
1: I thought it was going to be in the double digits, you yeah. know, I, like even more so like in the 20s or Cause, something because it looked really bad and it was in a bad spot. It, but, and
3: it wasn't like super wide like you see, but it was really yeah. dense and deep. And like yeah. and when you see posts on social media, it, it's a nasty thing. You know, I was bummed out for him, obviously, but you know, he's always going to have my support. And yeah, fight that he wasn't doing so good in. I was, I, I thought, really, you know, he came out aggressive, which was great. That was something that he's plagued him. And uh, Imanoff was ready for that second round. Obviously, he was touching the body more. Th- the big trigger for me was how was off going to respond in the third round because cardio has fallen off before. He's obviously went five rounds with Strickland, but uh, that yeah. was to be a trigger for me. But yeah, I, I, I feel for my guy and. Hopefully he takes a beat, maybe he comes back in December, January, enjoys his kid, and uh, yeah. yeah, and we'll get back to it.
0: Yeah, second kid on the way in October. Yeah. He told me he probably wasn't going to compete until uh, December, but yeah. we'll see how it goes for uh, for Chris Curtis. I think very relevant in middleweight, but I thought Nasordini Mavov looked outstanding, yeah, good. and I'm really, really now excited yeah. to see his next fight because I feel of the two guys, respectfully, I almost feel worse for Imavov because yeah. that really, that a- really – look like uh like it was going to be a w you know mm-hmm. all right let us get to ufc fight night vitori versus canadier coming up this weekend from the ufc apex now in the nature of full disclosure because we are nothing if not honest with this audience But DraftKings did not have the complete fight card odds out as of this taping. So these prices, not exact with the exception of the main event that is live on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Uh, But these odds will be very close to my man Johnny Avello's numbers. So here we go. 10th UFC appearance for the 36-year-old Haoni Barcelos, minus 225. Miles Johns, plus 190. So, Barcelos Bry knocked out by Umar Nurmagomedov his last time out in January. Miles Johns has momentum. He's won three of four, hasn't fought since a win over Vince Morales last November. Your thoughts?
3: Ohani, honey. Ohani honey, Barcelos. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way, I have <laughs> yeah. to say, yeah.
0: our producer Cody Merrow's segment, Merrow Seconds, is going to come back next yeah. week or in the not too distant future. Yeah. But I think here to four, one of our listeners messaged me privately about that. He mm-hmm. said Cody's too good at pronunciations yeah. to do the pronunciation of the week. He said you gotta leave the main event challenge with the pronunciation of the sure. week and give it to Petrie yeah. because it's, it's not necessarily his strong there not- You know, I was like, Cody's fucking learning Brazilian Portuguese. Right. Right. Not good guy. Yeah. So I think that might be part of your new
3: exercise. Man, I'll do whatever. I, I I'll do it. listen, I took Spanish one twice in high school. So <laughs> we know where we're at with me. Okay. But as far as this friend, listen, Barcelos, 36 years old at one uh, at 135. I know that's an old everyone brings it up, but that I mean, listen. Cutting that much weight. He is not a small 35 either. Cutting that my weight at that age is a little dicey for me. And he's fought everyone. I know his resume is great. He's got good wrestling. He's got good jujitsu. He's got big power, but his last couple fights, even though they're against high level guys, besides maybe Danny Henry or Victor Henry, excuse me. Um, you know, he's been hit a little bit. He's been shaking a little bit. Again, against high level guys, Miles John, there's no volume there on this guy, but great wrestling and big, big power. So I just see a fight where Barcelos is going to be trying to be active because he does throw a lot of strikes, but Miles John's got that game changer with his right hand, and he can stop Barcelos' takedowns. And when you're hanging plus one ninety on me, and I got this huge deficit, I'm going to go dog here. Uh, I think Barcelos' confidence is waning. I think Miles John's confidence is on the rise. You got a young kid here with big, big power, you know, and and in good wrestling chops as well. So give me Miles John at the dog price. And I also remind
0: you guys, as we get closer to the minus 1,000 Armand Sarukyan, that you can always abstain if you don't like the prices Mm -hmm. on one fight per exercise. Ken Flo, how many of our 225 miles? John's plus 190. Who do you like?
1: Yeah, interesting fight between two semi-similar fighters and, and I agree with everything Brian said there um, how many you know there, there's times where early on in his career when I saw him uh, it seemed like his striking was sharper than it is now I don't know if it's a confidence thing maybe he's got some lagging in nagging injury but um, I don't know I, I can he win this fight yes yeah, sure but I think Miles Johns has the background and he's got the power like Brian said on the feet where he can Definitely pull off a win here. Um, I think Barcelos's best path to victory here is probably trying to out wrestle Johns. Is that enough to win round after round after round? I don't think so. I, I think this is a juicy number for Miles Johns. I think there's a lot of value there. And I'm with you on this one, Brian. I was nice. hoping you were gonna go the other way, but uh or this dude's up, too bud. sharp. He's or too just, sharp. Up, bud. Yes.
0: I'm not suggesting that the Anakin Florian podcast always moves lines, but I will say with complete veracity to you folks that more often than not, when both Kenny and Brian see value on a fighter in that plus 190 range, it closes significantly lower than that. So we'll see where Johnny Avello and the folks open Miles Johns, but clearly both of these guys see some sort of value on Miles Johns at plus 190. All right, and Featherweight Bride will lead with you on yeah. this one as well. Pat Sabatini, minus 185. Lucas Almeida is plus 150. Sabatini out of Philadelphia, PA, 4-1 and one out of the shoot here in the UFC. Coming off a loss, though, to Damon mm-hmm. Jackson nine months ago, and now he draws the 14-1 and one Lucas Almeida.
3: Man, I was so high on Pat Sabatini, and maybe I still am, but the Damon Jackson loss was so ugly. I thought that was a good matchup for him. He just got starched on the feet. Looked like he couldn't take a punch. Everything was clipping him. Everything was falling David him. Damon Jackson's a great fighter, but he's not known for like this worldly power. Sabatini obviously is a guy that wants to get the fight to the ground, wants to grapple. He wants to submit you. Volume very low with his striking. He's not known for his striking. Comes from that Philly camp, which is very tough. Jeremiah Wells is out of there, who's doing great things right now. And Lucas Almeida, 14-1 debut in the UFC, looked pretty good. He's, you know, he's, he's kind of good everywhere primarily I, I, he likes to stay on the feet but you know he has he has everything right but the competition level is very low um he's got a couple good wins in there but when you look at the record you're like I, can, can you trust this guy i wanted to ride almeida because i want to fade sabatini because i'm a little worried about the damon jackson but i'm gonna get past sabatini one more chance i do think this guy's very good i think he's a dog in there i think he gets his fight to the ground controls him on the ground implements his game which is just control. Look for a submission. Uh, minus one eighty five is not something I'm running to the window to bet. If I'm being honest with you. I thought this might be a little lower since Sabatini looked uh, did not look great his last time out. But give me the Philly guy. Give me Philly tough. Pass Sabatini. I like this vacation petri mode and the tank talk. Can you
0: yeah. t- tank top? I mean, can you imagine this? Unit walking down the beach today. Hey,
3: I strut the beach yesterday, man. I was strutting the beach just for yeah, absolute six foot three inch unit wearing
0: the San Antonio Spurs jersey today. Whose jersey is that?
3: So it's a so you know, I uh since I royals disbanded, we became the Sacramento Kings, so I bought a Jason Williams white chocolate jersey uh the wear for here, right? Just because you know, we're repping and it was buy one, get one half off. I'm oh. a bargain hunter, so we got the oh. old. We got the Rodman on the Spurs here, baby. Oh, Dennis Rodman Dennis on the Spurs. Not, yeah, man. yeah.
0: Kenpo, Lucas Almeida, 32 years of age out of Sao Paulo, 1 and 0 in the UFC. That debut came more than a year ago. He's had fights go away against Zubera Tahugov last October, Andre Feely this February, then he was supposed to face Hakeem Dawadu in Canada last weekend. So, he's 14 and 1, but You know, hadn't fought in a year and uh, jury's still out. What are your thoughts on Almeida here against Sabatini?
1: Yeah, and that can hurt him, you know, not being active like that. I I think it certainly can affect a fighter. But I do think he's got some skills. This dude is aggressive, man. He's not trying to hit you. He's trying to hurt you every single time out. Uh, He's got some pop in his punches in boxing range. I think that's where Sabatini really needs to be careful. I also think, you know... (laughs) Getting off to a good start, I think, is going to benefit him here against Sabatini. Sometimes I feel like if Sabatini doesn't get into his rhythm, he just gets thrown off and then just kind of uh, calls it a night in some ways. I think grappling-wise, he can get some things done here. And I I do think he's got some power, but he's a little too stiff for me on the feet Mm -hmm. at this stage of the game. Uh, And like Brian mentioned, you know, that last fight against Damon Jackson, that's one of those fights that you kind of want to erase off the record. Um, It it was definitely not a good performance for him. He was dominated really everywhere. And I can see Lucas Almeida going in there, catching him, getting into boxing range, landing shots and winning this fight. I know he hasn't been very active three fights in a row that have been uh, called off, but I like the Brazilian here. Give me Lucas Almeida uh, for the upset. I think there's a lot of value.
0: Lucas Almeida, plus 150 for Ken Flo, and that brings us to a featured bout at 185 pounds. Gloucester, England's Christian Leroy Duncan, minus 165. Armin Petrosian, plus 140. CLD undefeated at 8-0. TKO of Dusko Todorovic at his UFC debut. Todorovic did get injured early in that fight, so a lot of us looking forward to seeing more of Duncan on this type of stage. Petrosian, the Armenian Muay Thai striker, contender series alum, Look at a spring. What would be a pretty big upset here on paper? Uh, What are your thoughts, Brian Petrie, CLD versus Petrosian?
3: My old googly eyes are out again at some of these new guys because Christian Leroy Duncan, uh, (laughs) this dude's good, man. He reminds me of Jimmy Manowal back in the day. Manowal refused UFC a few times came in, and then everyone thought this guy's going to be the champ. It didn't work out. But Leroy Duncan, good striker, good grappling, knows how to mix it up. He's 6-0, and which is still pretty young, so I don't want to go get ahead of myself. Obviously, he looked okay against Dusko. Dusko got hurt in that fight. Armand Petrosian, though, good striker, good volume. Every fight, he lands over 100 strikes, right? His cardio is really working. His anti-grappling is pretty good. But I just don't see there's power there. He's not really knocking. him, But yeah, the last knockout he had was on the contender series. All these fights are close split decisions. And I think Leroy Duncan can put a pace on him. It can mix everything up. I think that's what he does well. Grappling to striking. He's got big power. He's super athletic as well. Has a whole country behind him. People are really hyped on this kid out of England. Um, Minus 165 is a price I would love to pay. And I'm going to pay it heavy. Uh, Should I go extra units? Does Vacation Brian have the balls to go extra unis? He does. What? Give me four, four oh, on wow. Leroy Duncan, baby. It's going to be a close fight. But Barry Anders, I knew it was going to be a close fight as well. Sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit, baby. Kenny Florian doesn't miss fucking fights. This guy's going four and one. I got to do goddamn something. So give me Christian Leroy Duncan. Four units. That is four. a
0: $660 wager on Christian Leroy Duncan Damn. to return $400. Ken Flo, you well know Anakin Florian podcast contributor Sean Sheehan. Big fan of Christian Leroy Duncan. We'll see how he handles the second UFC start. What do you have for us on the 85ers?
1: Yeah, and I could see why. I I, I could see why Brian and and Sean are high on him. He's an excellent athlete. He moves really well. He knows how to put it all together really well. And I think this is where – uh, he's going to have the advantage over someone like Petrucci, an Awesome Muay Thai guy, but it almost like he he needs you to stay in front of him and engage with him in that Muay Thai rhythm. And uh, because of that, it seems like it throws him off a little bit. Um, grappling wise, obviously he's going he's not going to have the skills uh, of Duncan, but I do think that. Uh, striking-wise, he can pose some problems. Um, I'm not as confident as Brian here, but I do like Christian Leroy Duncan uh, for the win. His ability to mix things up and, and outpoint him, I think, is really going to be the difference here. But I'm excited to see where where he goes and the potential for this kid in this division.
0: I really like the fight. I like him. I like Petrosian. He's fun to watch stylistically. Mm-hmm. So uh, see how that one goes. It'll lead into the co-main event. at Lightweight will lead with Ken Flo on this. Eighth-ranked Armand Sarukyan 1,000 against Joaquim Silva, who is plus 650. Saurak Keddy has won six of seven. The lone loss, of course, a memorable main event against Mataj Gamera last June. On the other side, you have the UFC-tested Neto BJJ. A lot of expectations on this kid, really, since his UFC debut in 2015. A lot of power, but this would be the win of his career, and he would be in the top ten next week. Ken, Flo, your thoughts on the co-main event, Saurak and Silva.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, Joaquim Silva is, um, you know, he's built – he's got some serious power. Um, I, I think he could do some things on the feet, but I think Sarukian, it just has too many skills. You know, you talk about his wrestling and, uh, you know, his striking, his movement. It is extremely good, man. And I, I think that him getting together with the American Top Team, working with all the guys down there, I think it's only going to make him that much better. Um, I, I think there's some pressure on him in that he's just such a big favorite here but what i'd like to see is a finish out of Sarukian. i, I think he can get it done I, I you know no question i think he wins this fight but i think he's got he's got it's got to be more than just a decision win here i'd like to see him go out there look dominant get a finish um and, and kind of make even more uh people excited about him and when he competes so but uh, pretty easy here Sarukian this is a tricky one though
0: insofar as you have this big lead right mm-hmm. and so it's a thousand bucks to pay a hundred right no. and I'm so reckless right that I'd be like dude 5k to whip right but I'm mm-hmm. I'm a, a Joachim Silva fan I'm a sauruyan fan of course but uh yeah a thousand bucks to pay a hundred what do you got for us BP what do you got for us on the komate
3: listen that's the first thing i thought too i mean i really dove into joaquin silva all last night trying to find an angle to play him here i just don't know if i can i mean he's cut from stone he looked like me on the beach yesterday just strutting right (laughs) this guy and he's got big big power um but you know he hasn't fought a grappler in a while last time he fought a grappler was jared gordon jared gordon took him three times Time before that got taken out five times. Sarukion is a different kind of animal here. And I love what Kenny said. You're minus a thousand. You got everyone talking about you as a young kid. You have to finish. I think Silva's cardio has really improved. I mean, having all those muscles is hard to, you know, it's a broken record. Everyone, you know, you're beefed up. It's hard to maintain that, but it's improved. But I think Sorokin is going to push a pace. He's going to take him down. He's going to smother him. I like a TKL. I like a submission for Sarukian. And I like it, it has to be kind of early as well. Silva's dangerous first round. So maybe take your time, but wear them out. Wear out the arms, foam with blood. Take them out second round. I like second round finish. I wish I can get to that number on Silva because I need to come back. But, you know, I got to pick winners at this point. All right. Armand
0: Sarukian minus 1,000 right now in the co-main event against Joaquin Silva. And we'll go right back to you, Petrie, on the main event. Number three versus number four in the middleweight division, Marvin Vittori and Jared Cantoneer, Both Minus 110. So when I first sent you guys the odds, the DraftKings Sportsbook odds, Marvin Vittori was minus 145. Line movement. It's a pick em right now. Both men have previously challenged for the title Canadier last year during International Fight Week. Vittori back in 2021. Brian, I say it all the time, since mm-hmm. like 2017, only two men in MMA who have beaten Marvin Vittori, Adesanya and Robert Whittaker. Vittori had a big win over Roman DeLidze in March at UFC 286. Right back at it here. Familiar territory in a main event against the killer gorilla, Jared Kananir. He defeated Sean Strickland via split in a main event
3: last December. Who wins the main event? How do they get it done? Both these guys are very similar to me. Kananir's got a little more power, a little more finishes. Martin Montori, obviously, he's not known for his heavy power. But they're both coming off fights where I kind of you could argue they might have lost. I mean, Delice gave uh, Marvitori a hell of a fight. Sean Strickland outlanded J.R. Cannoneer, but Cannonier landed the harder shots. It's an interesting thing here. Both these guys are are obviously wanting to get another shot at Izzy. Don't really know if that's a reality for Vitori, but they both land a lot of volume. And I saw Cannonier, and he looks to be in... He looks leaner than I've seen him, and then to be in... I mean, he's always in incredible shape. I mean, this guy looks diced up. I mean, dicey this week. And (laughs) Vitori, obviously, he's going to... I'm gonna guess, steal that.
0: Yeah, do it. Or a UFC telecast. <laughs> this guy looks dicey. Like, will I ever look dicey? Kenny tells me know. at one point in my life before I die, right? It's more of yeah. a philosophical thing. Sure. But like every man should at least get to like his most shredded self. Sure. So uh <laughs> Maybe in my 60s, Kenny. We'll that,
3: see. <laughs> I, that passed me at 21. I was just on a beer and ramen noodle diet, so I was doing okay. Uh, but, no, John, I meant to mention your DraftKings ad with the dive into the pool was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, by the way. That was the dive. Thank you, buddy. The dive was awesome. Anyway. Wait till you uh, see the new commercial we just shot in Boston, if you
0: like oh, that. I can't wait. Can't
3: wait. Um, they're very similar. They land a lot of strikes, and, you know, and, and Ken Neer is now becoming more selective, but he is you know, heavy-handed, and he does push a pace now. He's got the cardio. You don't got to worry about it tori has got a cardio too. five rounds. I think the leg kicks are really going to be a factor for Cannonier. Marvin Vittori just doesn't check leg kicks. Look at the idiot on the fight. He's, he's in Vegas now. He's working with some guys, but I just – Cannonier kicks hard, and he's made of just something different, right? So I like Cannonier by decision. I think the best play here, Fico's decision, check the box, yes, because I don't think either of these guys are going to finish anybody. Marvin tory has got a cement blockhead. That's That guy's not going anywhere. Um, but give me Kananir here. I think he's looked a little more cleaner his last few fights. And uh, I like him to win the decision. Um, and I see it being competitive and then him kind of slipping away with it. So, give me Jared Candidere. I was excited when he was at plus money. Now we're now it's moving. So, uh, I got to get on that. I know I probably should give you that price
0: that I first sent. But you know what? I'm not no, going to do it. it. Don't do it. Ken Flo, pick him, fight in the main event. Marvin Vittori, minus 110. Same price on Candidere. Which way are you going?
1: Yeah, very interesting. Um, I think that. Cannonier, you know, both guys are capable of winning this fight. This is a very close one, a very difficult one to pick. Uh, Cannonier does have five-round experience. Um, as does Vittori. Vittori is one of those guys that is going to move forward. You know that. Sometimes Cannoneer doesn't throw the volume that you want to see. Now, sometimes that also actually works to his advantage because, you know, he is efficient. He's trying to reserve his energy. He's looking for his spots to go. But against someone like Marvin Vittori, he's going to push the action, push the fight. That might be the difference between him winning and losing certain rounds so um i I see this going to decision you know if someone finishes this fight it's probably Canonier. he does have uh power i think to put anyone out but vittori does have a chin from hell he's got that big head i think it's going to be tough to take him out but i I do think this goes to decision and if that's the case i think vittori moving forward looking for looking for takedowns Uh, if he can hit that especially late he's always he's always uh he always comes in very well conditioned um and i i think if he can mix in some takedowns here and there get some of those up against the cage like like he likes to win some of that clinch fighting against cannonier he can win this fight cannonier is the more dangerous guy but as far as consistency and winning rounds I'm leaning towards Vittori. That may change as we go out through the week. Uh, reserve that right, damn nice. it. Uh, nice. But uh, I, I'm, I'm going to lean uh, the way of Vittori, but very interesting fight.
0: All right. Dissension on the main event, which we absolutely love. Uh, Brian Petrie, before we let you go, would you like to wet your beak with anything else? Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. So I'm on two for the last two weeks. So maybe I should, you know, bench it for this week. But that's not my style. Listen, there's a lot of guys I like. There's a lot of good fights. Manuel Torres is a stud. Hammer's motive is going to be a banger. But I got to go with Zalga Zumagulov. Because of the hair, his last fight got canceled. He came out like a fucking superstar, high fiving people. This dude's got an incredible record, split decision losses to everybody, and he's fighting Felipe Burns, who I think is not on his level. I like Zalgus here to kick it off, and he's at like a minus one fifty. I got you know, the I had to bury that line. That's not a DraftKings line, but uh, went and got that line. But give me Zalgus, baby. The hair's gonna be flowing. We like it. We like it. All right, Zalgus
0: Shumagulov a prelim selection for Brian Petrie to round out his pitch for UFC fight night, but versus Canada. You can see it live on ESPN and ESPN plus. If you want more from Brian Petrie, and why would you not at Brian right. Petrie MMA? Appreciate your contributions. Kid. We'll talk to you next
3: week. Boys. Thank you. Sorry for the audio without the mic and Kenny. I'm three hours away, man. If you want to go strut the beach with me, you let me know. I'm here all week. All right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Let's <laughs> see do you boys. It. I'll see
0: ya. <laughs> Just don't bring Impa Kasanganai to yeah, make us feel like we're a lesser species, you know? Jeez. All right. That's going to do it for today. We'll be back later in the week, likely with some sort of fighter interview here on the DraftKings Network. Thank you all for indulging us today. If you want more on the show, check out dot com is also live. Also, look up Argus Integrated Defense. Do you call it Argus Integrated Defense or defense?
1: Defense. Yes. Of do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, you do. Argus Integrated Defense. And uh, one more Sleep Vancouver merchandise. Appreciate everybody's support on that. Those can be had at millions.co. The Salt Lake City designs are up as well. And uh, designs to come in the not too distant future for UFC 290 in Boston, or UFC 290 Vegas and UFC 292 uh, in Boston. And a uh, full length episode coming back your way on Monday as we get ready for the next UFC live event. Thanks to Longo and Petrie. And of course, the brains behind the entire operation. Cody Merrill for Ken John Anik, we'll talk to you later this week. Until then, yo later. Trademarks owned by Beckles, AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.